This is Bedside, a podcast series on a mission to debunk sex. I'm your host, Tatiana, and each week we'll uncover stories, ideas, routines, and expert information to help guide you on your ever-evolving journey of good sex. We believe that through democratizing sexual wellness, we can shift cultural taboos and make way for authentic and limitless access to pleasure, joy, and connection to the body. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Bedside Podcast. Today, I've got an amazing episode for you. It's another quickie with my co-host, Amanda Blair. And this episode was such a treat to record together. You might be able to guess from the title of this podcast what Amanda and I will be talking about, but I will kind of leave that up to her to introduce. On this quickie, we cover the end of Amanda's European summer travels. We talk about what her experience was like and delve into some major manifestations between each of us. We also cover a lot of what the bliss for our summers have looked like, how we've managed to balance masculine and feminine energies and what those energetics feel like. And I think really overall, we talk about the trust in the divine timing that manifestation holds and really how when you do the work and lean into the process of it, it works for you. And it's really exciting because this episode is such a testament to just the fruits of our labor and just the commitment that we have to our practices. So if anything, I hope this leaves you feeling really inspired and giving you a taste of what you're in for, you know, because I think sometimes when we are in the thick of it, when we are going through our own reprogramming and peeling back the onion layers, it can sometimes feel like, well, what am I doing this for? And where is this heading for me? So I am just really excited because I think this episode is a testament to where and what this work really means and how it can actually transform your life in the most incredible ways. And with that said, let's get into this episode with Amanda Blair. All right, guys. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another Quickies. I've got Amanda Blair here. Hello. Amanda is officially back from her travels. Officially back from Europe. And has some really exciting news to share. Yeah, uh, I do. Um, While I was traveling around Europe, I ended up meeting someone and falling in love. And I'm now in the most magical and emotionally mature and available relationship that I've ever been in. And it makes me feel I always have known this. I've known this for a long time, but I feel so confirmed in this knowledge that when you do the work, like that work shows the fuck up for you. I am blown away because, and you know what it is? It's, I took the time I've been single for the last four and a half years. And I took the time to really fall in love with myself and like build upon what I had kind of started already discovering that four and a half years ago and really build upon that and like fall deeply in love with myself and make sure I was satisfying myself in all the ways that I could and really like create and build a life that I felt that was so satisfying and, and brought me a lot of joy and just lit me up. 
And I am seeing all that I have given myself and invested in myself now reflecting back to me in this relationship. Like the way that this man shows up for me, the way that he loves me is like, yes, this giving me that back because I took the time to really give that to myself. I like have so many questions for you first and foremost. I'm just like in such bliss about this. I want to kind of give the listener right now that idea of them knowing they're on the right track. What was it like hindsight that you feel like came into alignment or what was it that you were feeling being like, I, I'm on my way. I just knew I had to do the work. So when I was 27, I was working at Yoga to the People, which was incredibly toxic and awful. And I was at that time as well, you know, like 27, 28, my biological clock was starting to go off and it was like, oh my God, you must like find a husband and, and get pregnant. And that was, you know, sort of at the height of my drinking and also my just unavailable men and just bad relationship patterning. And so I was feeling really lost. And I was talking to a friend who had married her partner and they just had a baby and she was very like blissfully happy. And I was like, you know, and she was at that time older and she had met her partner older. I say that in quotes because she was like 29 when they met (laughs) the perspective of a 27 year old is so funny now. Um, and they got, they got married when she was 31. And to me that felt like, okay, there's time. If this like 31 year old is getting married again, the perspective of a 27 year old anyway. Um, and so I was asking her about it and I was like, you know, what, what did you do? And she was like, well, cause her and her, um, husband uh, broke up at one point and during their courtship. And she was like, I, when I, Andrew and I broke up, I really looked at my life and knew that I had to create a life that was like, if I don't end up meeting someone, is this going to be enough? And I wanted to create a life that was. And so I like worked on that until it got to the point where I was like, this is enough. Like I feel so in joy, so satisfied with my life. I don't feel like I'm missing anything. And that advice always really stuck with me. And like really struck me because I had been living my life at that point to, I am empty. If I'm not in relationship, I am worthless. If I'm not in relationship, I'm, I was chasing men to feel good about myself. I was chasing them to make me feel lovable, to fill the hole that my unavailable dad left. Like I was, you know, searching for these internal needs externally, sort of exclusively. And that was definitely like planted the seed of what I know now, which is those internal needs can only be met internally. And when you start doing that work, you see that reflected back to you differently in the relationships because relationships are only mirrors to how you feel about yourself. So they show you where you're at within you. And when I was at that time in those unavailable relationships, it was showing me how unavailable I was to myself, how much I didn't value myself, how much I dismiss my needs and myself, like all of this stuff. And so that little kernel was something that I had, I was really started working on from that moment on. And obviously that built up momentum over time. You know, at first it was like very tiny things, but I think in the last four and a half, five years, that was really my focus of like, And I would say even before that, I would say once I got like to 31, that was really my focus, which was like, you know, six years ago. And that was through this work. I was already well into the work 
with TBM and Lacey at that point, but it was to create a life and a relationship with myself that I felt really deeply fulfilled by. And I think that is such a huge component for manifesting and calling in a relationship that then adds to that satisfaction. And I would say in the past year or so of knowing you, like I never knew that former Amanda, but like the year and time that I've known you, you've been like in your life and lifestyle. Yes. Like you have been like in it. And so that's why when you were like, when we were talking like pre-Europe and like kind of your big transitions, I was like, oh, you're ready. Like, you know what you're doing. Like, you are. Yeah. Well, I also got to the point where I remember saying this to a friend. I was like, I treat myself like a fucking queen. I treat myself so well. I am not willing to settle for anyone who is not meeting me at this level now. Cause like it's this or like fucking nothing. And I was deeply committed to that. I felt really strongly of like, I am not willing to waste my time unless someone is meeting me here. And if they're not good riddance, my life is so good. I don't need that. I don't need anything other than like exactly what I want. And my friend was like, be careful. You want to make sure you're not closing yourself off. And I was like, Ooh, no. I don't need to be careful because I'm still open to someone, but I'm open to someone who's fucking showing up and I'm not willing to waste time with someone who's not. And there, yeah, like you do have to get to know people, right? It's not like you can't know that right away. And I was open to doing so, but I wasn't going to get into relationship, give someone a lot of my time and energy unless it was at the level I had sort of shown myself. Like I set my own standard. And in doing that, I was very relaxed in myself, in my life and in my relationship status. I was single, you know, I'm 37. I'm about to be 38 um, in like six months, which is wild or like seven months, time is flying. And I felt no rush. I felt no fear about, oh no, I'm, you know, in my late thirties and I haven't met anyone, like nothing. Like I was like, I'm good. I know that my life, like this relationship is coming in and it'll come in at exactly the right time. Things will be great. Like I have no fear. I was not an anxiety about it at all. And it's because I wasn't waiting on that person to give me something that I wasn't giving myself. I was giving that to myself. And I'd already like, you know, really thought about, I I do want kids. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not someone who wants to do IVF or surrogacy. I would adopt And so that's something that I was willing to do on my own. And I set like an age, like, okay, if that hasn't happened for me with a partner at this age, I'm not waiting and I'm going to go do it and pursue it on my own. And I also started to mourn, like, you might not get pregnant and like, we need to face that reality and like mourn that. So I start, I was very honest and like forthright. I knew what my desires were and I knew what I was willing to do for those desires and what I wasn't. And I felt I like chose those and felt really strongly in those. And I think all of those things bring me a lot of peace because I chose them. It was, I wasn't waiting for something to happen to me. I was like, no, I'm being proactive. This is what feels good to me. This doesn't. And like felt so at peace with those decisions. I love that. And I love that you point that out. And I was reading somewhere, I'm reading this really great book. I think it's called like 101 Essays That Will Change Your Life. One of them was this list of truths. And one of them said, Something along the lines of, in life, it's always going to be a hard decision that you have to make, but it depends what type of hard decision you're ready to commit to. So it's like the hard decision you're pointing out is like, I had to face the truth of 
what is the potential reality of if I don't have a partner by a certain age but want kids like what are my options what is that hard truth but then the other side of the hard truth is not thinking of those things and facing a lot more complications and maybe IVF like you said if you weren't interested in those options or surrogacy I like the way you frame that there's the choice there and sometimes it's always going to be a tough choice but what is like well what is choice that you want you know like for me I know that I want to be a mom and I do want to do that with a partner and like have a family but I also wouldn't not be a mom that's something that I want to do so I will do that you know and I will do that in the way that I feel comfortable pursuing that if I can't do it me birthing a child I think there's so many ways to mother and I also think like choosing to not mother is great (laughs) like that's if that's like what someone's choice is I'm like rock on man um you're have a great life where you get to do whatever the fuck you want for all time. That's amazing. I think this conversation is so sensitive because, you know, fertility is such a sensitive topic. And I always encourage my clients when I'm talking about this, I'm like, well, what is your priority for women that are getting close to like, you know, where we've been told our reproductive years are on the decline, which I also think is really fear-based. I don't tune into a lot of that. Like I just don't buy into it. I'm kind of like, I trust my body. We're good. Like I take care of myself. We'll be good. Anyway, um, I'm also at peace with if I can't get pregnant, I can't get pregnant. And that's like kind of that. I think it's really understanding what you want and moving through the choices that feel good for you and, and truly choosing them and making it feel empowering. You know, this process for me has felt really empowering. It, I never felt disempowered. I buy it. I always felt really like, okay, like that is reality that I have to deal with. I might not get pregnant, but okay, I'm going to process that as much as I can right now and, you know, find the beauty in that as well as like allow myself to feel the sadness of that. I love it. That's a really great way of framing it. I kind of want to ask you a bit about because offline we were talking we were kind of talking about like masculine and feminine energy a bit and how your new relationship like you can really be in your feminine. What are ways that you have learned to utilize your masculine and feminine to manifest? Because I was the one like so in my hyper masculine and I wasn't getting anywhere. And I thought I was because I was like, well, these are the rules and this is how everybody says to do it. So why isn't it working? And so I kind of want to like for those who are in the manifestation process and like working to balance like those energetics, some people, a lot of people even reject the feminine because they're like, this is so pleasure centered. It's not getting me anywhere. So I kind of want to hear like about how that works. That's interesting. Yes, that's a good question because I have been focused on that a lot with clients when they're asking about manifesting relationships. You know, I think my understanding of it has continued to evolve. And and now I'm really in this place of if you're looking to manifest a relationship, you don't focus on that. You know, like you just put the desire out there, like I want a relationship and you focus on you. It's not going on a million dates. Like I really differ in the rhetoric out there from other you know, I'm not a dating coach, but from dating coaches of it's a numbers game. No, it's not. I didn't go on a date for almost two years, not a one. And it had nothing to do with me meeting my partner. So it's, to me, it's not a numbers game. It's because I was focused on me. The, you know, the rhetoric is, you know, you have to give people a chance. And like what those two things say to me is don't trust yourself. And I think stepping into your feminine is, and being balanced in your masculine, which I'll get to in a second, but your feminine is your intuition, it's tuning in. It's that slowness. It's that softness. It's that flow. And the more you tune in there, the more you will be aware of its sensitivities and the way that it shifts, but you have to get quiet. 
you have to like really slow down and listen and you have to really soften and be vulnerable and fucking trust. And that is where the vulnerability and the trust is where a lot of us struggle, right? And the masculine, and I will even say the out of balance masculine versus a hyper masculine, but sort of what you're talking about is a way to avoid that, right? It's like, okay, push, 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 force, 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 force. And that is pulling you out. That is disconnecting you from that tuning in. And I think masculine in balance is a beautiful thing, right? Because that's like holding space and the container and the doing, and that is beautiful. We need that. And I think, you know, bring it back to like this topic of dating, the way that you would do that with the way that I ascribe people to manifest relationship by focusing on themselves. The masculine part is when someone comes in that seems interesting, pursue that, get to know them, be open to that, right? Like co-create that experience. But then if you are listening and you're like, you get a no, or you get like, uh, then listen and operate from that space of, I have everything I need. So I don't need to do things that are out of alignment. I don't need to compromise a major need of mine just so that I am in a relationship. That feminine is being in that softness and that intuition and allowing yourself to slow down so you can hear and be in that sense of flow and really focus on you and your joy and your pleasure. And doing so while it won't feel productive is the most productive thing you can do. 100%. I think they're both so important. um, And it's really getting them in balance. Because out of balance feminine will be letting people walk all over you, not standing up for yourself, not being, you know, in tune with your needs. And I think what people have to recognize is the feminine is fierce. Like look at mother nature. She don't fucking play. Soft doesn't mean weak, right? Like about a vagina. Shit is strong, but it's soft. But it's soft. (laughs) And it can stretch. And it's like it bursts life and also creates a lot of pleasure for many of us. So those things are so, you know, are so deeply balanced in that like softness, but also strength. I'm obsessed with that analogy. (laughs) So I think it's recognizing too that being in your feminine is still fucking fierce yeah like one of the things that my boyfriend said to me when I was really like wow like you really see me is he listened to he was really interested in my work and wanted to like know more about it so I sent him one of our episodes and he was like wow you are a warrior like I just see all of this fierceness in you and the way that you show up for yourself and the way that you want to teach women how to show up for themselves. And I was like, holy shit. (laughs) Yes. Thank you for seeing that. Um, And I think that's so true for to like be in balance in your feminist to recognize the fierceness that is also there. Mm, I love that so much. And I think like for so long, the messaging I held around my feminine was like, it's weak. It's not taken seriously. Mm -hmm. Because that's the messaging the world wants us to have. And when it's in that balance... It feels easy. Yes, that's a very good point. There is so much ease. Because it's like Amanda and I were talking off air about how like right now we're we're in a we're riding in a lot of bliss right now. And maybe I can attest it to the like ease of the energetics right now. Where it's like it it feels easy because there is a container for the feminine and flow to be in. But then, you know, the masculine isn't in overdrive telling you to do, do, do. It's just existing. Also, what's important about about that is 
we did the right work to create this. You know what I mean? And Mm. when I I hate using the word right, because I don't like to imply that there's wrong, but I think there is work that is actually like getting to the heart of things. And I think there's work that's just running you in circles. And when you do the work that really gets to the heart of things, you will see the fruits of that labor. And it's not right after right? Like, again, I've been single for four and a half years, happily so. It's a slow burn. Yeah. And that was building. And there got to a point where I was like, okay, like I know I'm like fully ready for my next partner. And that I was like, that's interesting. It's still not coming in. And I like felt this like energy, but I was like, I can't really figure out like what it is. And I talked to someone and they were like, you're not waiting on you. You're waiting on them. They're not ready yet. And I was like, oh yeah, of course when I'm manifesting in a relationship, you're manifesting with someone else. And like that other person has a whole other fucking life that they are doing their shit on. And like, they have to get to. And once I met Zach, I was like, oh yes, this makes so much sense because now we can like talk about where we were. And I see the work that you were doing to get ready for me. And I've been waiting on you. Right. And like, that's our joke. He's always like, I'm so sorry for making you wait. Um, But I'm like, no, I'm so grateful because I needed that time too. And like, hot damn, like without it, I wouldn't be so appreciative. And now I'm so appreciative because I understand how special it is to find what I have found. And that's something that I think people within relationships or when they're manifesting relationship get really caught up in they're like, but where is it? Where is it? Where is it? I'm doing all this work. And it's like, well, first of all, we can't do things to like get the thing that's control, right? We have to do things for us. And like, again, really being that feminine, not in that, that is the, an unbalanced masculine, like, hello, hello, hello. Like, where is it? Tap, tap. Right. And instead, like it's purely doing it just for, for you. And also recognizing that when you're manifesting a relationship, you are manifesting it with your partner already. They're working on their shit too. You guys are already, though you haven't met in this physical space, are already manifesting that together. Yeah, there's the divinity of the timeline happening. Exactly. And so it's like, you have to also honor that. Oh my God, what good advice. I love this. Hot off the press, people. Um, yeah. What? <laughs> Tell me if you relate to this. So a big manifestation, I haven't like prefaced this overtly, but for everybody listening, a big manifestation that I've finally been like taking action on and that has been coming together has been me working on a new business in the sexual wellness category. And it's been a desire of mine for years, years, years. And I found that I finally have the confidence and actually inspiration. Like a lot of things came into alignment when I finally cleared a lot of space. And I'm curious to get your take on this because for me, I actually kind of had to do like a major audit on where I was spending my time and energy and what I was doing and what was almost like, in a way, like a source of procrastination from this really big goal that I had. Like I I can now say that like, in a way, I was subconsciously procrastinating because this thing, this manifestation I was calling in felt so big, so huge, almost intimidating. And I wanted it so bad that like I almost <laughs> worked as hard as I could to distract myself from it because it was it was so painful and, and kind of tying this full circle. It was it was so painful to not be making that choice and jumping into the hopes and dreams that I had and now it's almost like I'm choosing the other struggle where it's like I'm jumping into the hopes and dreams that I have and I know it's going to be a struggle but at least it's like in pursuit of what I desire 
Well, let's like look at that language. It won't be a struggle. It will be uncomfortable. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? The struggle would be avoiding it Mm -hmm. to not feel the feelings of it. And that's the struggle, right? But just because it's uncomfortable doesn't mean you can't move forward. You can face that uncomfortability. But I think what you're speaking to is super important because we have to have space for the things that we want to come in. And if we don't have that space, there's no room. And that looks different for every person in every situation. But I think it's very worthwhile to look at what is taking up space and what are you kind of settling with out of fear that you won't get the thing that you ultimately want. And can you be brave enough to let that stuff go? And like that emptiness and like be comfortable with it. Yes. Oh my God, you were hitting the nail on the head. And it's so like if if you're listening and you're like, well, I don't really even know where to begin with this. I know this sounds silly, but it's something that I have mentally done for myself since I took that big leap and realized what clearing space has done for me. I think a great place to start, it sounds so silly, but like if you have like really cluttered spaces, if you have a cluttered bedside table, people like let's go right back to the bedside stuff. If you are looking at your bedside table and there is shit there, there are papers and just stuff you've thrown in there because let's be real, a bedside table is has a lot of similar qualities to an everything drunk junk drawer. Like Amen. get rid. And I find, and I do this a lot. I do this practice a lot intentionally being like, I know I'm getting rid of this and I know I'm clearing things out because I'm calling things in, even if they're little. But I think yep. that is a really great place to start is like, I think a messy house is a messy brain. Yeah. Always. I think that's a fantastic place to start. And to be honest, when I feel stuck, I always start at my house. I'm like, okay, that's when I've noticed I'm like, Ooh, things are like overflowing and I need to really go through and edit and kind of clear shop and make sure that things feel open. There's room to breathe and you know, there's space here. And then that gives my brain that same opportunity. And then I can like dig into to my brain a little bit deeper. Um, I think that's a great place to start. Great. Good advice. So in terms of clearing space though, like what is your advice for people who are fearful of doing it? Like, especially when it comes to bigger stakes, right? Like cleaning your house, everyone's like, okay, check, I can do that. Um, but (laughs) like if we're clearing out maybe relationships. Yeah. Friendships. I mean, we've talked about friendship breakups before and I think that, you know, within my even, you know, bringing it back to like my personal example, my relationship um, or sort of my journey to this relationship, I think a big part of that was cleaning up my female relationships because I was accepting a lot of people that didn't show up. Mm. I was accepting a lot of unavailable female friends and a lot of avoidant female friends. And I over these last almost five years have gotten really good about being like, no, like that's not the energy I want here. That's not the kind of friendship I want here. And learning how to let that go and sitting with the uncomfortable feeling of, well, then what if I don't have friends? You know, like what if I don't have enough friends and really sitting with that, because that is something that feels really deep. And that goes back to also just biological where we are apes at the end of the day and we are social apes at that. And you know, when we were tribes, if we got kicked out of the tribe, like we would die. Like that is real. That's biological. That need to kind of fit into a group. But it's also understanding that and recognizing like, 
my social status is not one of a pariah. Like I am still in good social standing with people. I'm still actively pursuing healthy relationships for my well-being because I do think that's important for your well-being. And I can have a period of time where I have a little bit less of you know, a certain, because I think you know, there's like a group, which is like going to be like a romantic relationship, a partner, B group, best friends, ride or die kind of people call in the middle of the night, take you to the hospital, C group, your good friends, people that you're still going to like talk deep things with, but you're not necessarily going to be like, oh my God, I just killed someone. Can you help me bury a body? Um, D group, but you would do that with your best friends. Not that we should be doing that. Just okay. um, D group acquaintances. And so there may be a time where like you don't have a best friend or maybe you have less good friends or maybe you don't have that many acquaintances or maybe you don't have, you know, good friends, best friends right now, but you have a lot of acquaintances because you're cleaning up shop in those areas and allowing yourself to sit with that emptiness. What comes up? Sit with those feelings. What's there? What do you feel about yourself? What's the shadow there? What are you worried about there? If you don't look at that, if you never go into it, you won't be able to get the lesson that's there for you, the beauty that's there for you, the sort of juice that's there for you. So you have to be able to sit with that emptiness and deal with those feelings so that when you are calling in these, you know, those new relationships, you actually get to have evolution and not just repetition. Yes. I think I spoke to someone who was like, you're graduating. You're you're kind of like yeah. entering that next level of you and so what are those lessons and those new, you know, types of healthier dynamics you're calling in, right? Because this is all all in pursuit of clearer balance and alignment like we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, look, I think there's a lot of food for thought here and I'm so happy that I caught you at this time because I think we've all been building and like together on this journey and it's been fun to kind of like timestamp it. And it's so funny because... It's, it's really great because not only have I just been feeling this electricity of the summer, but it's so cool to like move with someone like you in tandem and like kind of know like, oh my gosh, well, here's like the universal electricity of this time yeah, and such like calling in manifestations. Going on. I also feel like for me too, a big part of it was leaving New York and not because I had to, you can't meet anyone in New York and like dating is so hard in New York. That's not it at all. What was important for me is what I wanted my next relationship to be about is building a real life with someone, pursuing family with someone, whatever that should look like for us. And I knew I didn't want to do that in New York. So the longer I was in New York, I was not showing up for the thing that I wanted. I wasn't creating space for it. There was no space for it because I didn't want that there. And so me recognizing that and saying, okay, if this is what I want now, I need to show up for the thing that I want because I'm not showing up for it right now. And really I had to work. I, it was so much work to like process through all the stuff that was kind of surrounded in that decision to leave. And in doing so, I instantly opened that space for the thing that I wanted to come in. I knew that me moving to Portland would be me stepping in the direction of my family. Like I knew that not just like my, you know, family that I came from, but the family that I want to create. And I, I had such a strong, like just deep knowing of that. And also then in addition to, I was also pursuing things that lit me up and that I love and creating a life that, you know, 
really turns me on by going to go travel for three months in Europe. And it does not shock me, though the serendipitous nature of it makes me smile and just makes me believe in all this work and this process that much deeper of the minute I fucking leave New York, the minute that I'm traveling in Italy, just like blowing my own mind with like the beauty of the world and like ugh, the pizza and like the Mediterranean, like, well, that I met that like he was able to come in. Like it is not a coincidence to me. I was like, ah, I see here. Like when I, and my, my last relationship also came in when I was pursuing what really lit me up and I had let go of something big that had been blocking me alcohol. And I was pursuing a dream of mine by traveling around the world for, you know, months at a time. So I recognized that pattern. I was like, Oh, when I let something go, that is not serving me. That's been big. That's like taking up space and it's not in alignment. And then I'm pursuing things that are for me. Shit shows up like without fail. Now I can look back and like see the the lines, but I think that's and a very important part of it. I think it's integral. I love it. What a lovely episode this was. I'm so happy to have yeah. caught you here. Um, before we leave, yes, we never fully debriefed Harry Styles' new album. You're going to go see a show in New York. I'm going to see a show. Everyone, in case you forgot that we love Harry, we did not forget. We are obsessed with Harry just as much. And... I'm seeing him on the seventh in New York and I cannot wait. Um, his new album, I think it's his best album yet. Me too. Every single song is incredible. A banger. I love it. Like I don't need to skip any song. No. I am happy to listen to the entire album in its entirety. That's the only way I want to listen to it, actually. I want to listen to just it all like back to back to back. I just, I love every song. I love the way that it leads into it. I love that it starts really peppy and like up and high. And then it like kind of goes slower and more like deep and meaningful. And I just, I love everything. I love his sound. I love his lyrics. I, he got a little flack at um, the critics were saying when it came out, like great album, sonically, such beautiful, you know, beats and, and instruments and like interesting you know, arrangements, but the lyrics aren't showing enough depth. And I was like, you're mm. fucking wrong. And first of all, it's okay for some things to be light. Yeah. Like there can be meaning in lightness. And also I disagree. I think I find so much meaning in it, but in this album, he's falling in love. And like, what's more beautiful than that? I'm obsessed. My favorite song still is cinema. <gasps> okay. My favorite songs are late night talking daylight. Just keep driving satellite yes um, yeah I mean honestly everything but like those are like the four that I'm always like eh, these are like my daylight yeah. is so oh, good daylight that chorus is like the best chorus of all time yeah and just to tie it in actually so my boyfriend and I we were doing long distance while I was traveling and so we wrote each other love letters and then we gave them to each other when I got to Portland and one of the letters that I read he was listening to Harry Styles to understand me more. Oh, I'm obsessed. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I found, I found it. Yeah, seriously. I am, yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. And like, yeah, the, the album is incredible. 
I honestly think it's a really great I put it in we dropped a new bedside playlist and I put a couple songs in there because I was like some of these are amazing songs to have sex to so oh yeah just gonna throw that one out there too (laughs) a lot of them yeah I mean he I think he's I like Harry too because he's such like a sensual yeah like sexual artist and I love that yeah like I love all his references to sexy time yep I'm so into it Amanda thank you so much um I can't wait to record next and see where we both are also just a little um teaser next time I would love to talk about something that I am newly getting into uh which is understanding that men can be multi-orgasmic and how that affects their partners in beautiful ways okay all right we've got our next episode chalked up (laughs) a little teaser everybody (laughs) um okay thank you so much for having me and um as always this is just such a joy to do oh likewise all right bye everybody thanks for tuning in thank you for listening to the bedside podcast If you liked this episode and want to follow along with similar stories and interviews, be sure to check out our Instagram at The Bedside and thebedside.co online. Make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and of course, share with your friends. It's the best way you can support us and our good sex mission. Thank you for listening.